Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, it's Michelangelo. I've been digging through the archives. It's time for more classic A&G. Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. All right. The clip that I just found is from 2010. Uh, Brandon, get out of here. I'm looking for Gladys. Gladys, come on in here. Okay, let's try this again. The clip I found is from 2010. Now, this segment will really appeal to people that are 45 and older. Um, We do have a lot of younger listeners as well. But uh, this goes back to when Joe and Jack interviewed... Well, you know what? Let me play a little bit of his music. Do you guys remember this song? Of course you do. Jesse is a friend. That's right, Rick Springfield. 80s heartthrob, Rick Springfield. Girl, anyway. Um, So, the guys interviewed Rick Springfield in 2010. They don't do a lot of celebrity interviews. I'm not really sure why they interviewed him. Now, Now I think about it. Actually, I think he was pitching a book. The interview went well, but then we had texters afterwards, of course, complaining about the interview. I've always thought Joe and Jack do really good celebrity interviews. And I thought this was a good one. We don't interview as many entertainment celebrities now, but back in 2010, uh, they did more of this type of stuff. And so let's hear when Joe and Jack interviewed Rick Springfield, 80s heartthrob. I thought the topic of this interview was really good. It's about how fame can change you. Rick, or as we say, Mr. Springfield, shares some of his experience from going from being unknown to a celebrity overnight. Yeah, I know 
always been a good friend of mine. This is the Armstrong and Getty Maybe Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. What year was this? Like 81? Something like that? So if you're too young or too old to know who Rick Springfield is, that's from 1981. He was a soap opera star. Dr. Noah Drake on General Hospital. And then was a pretty successful musician. I mean, like, big-time star for a while. Right. But um, probably always as a musician. I've never understood why that happens to famous people. If you become famous as an actor and then try to start a band, yes, then you're mocked for... But if you're in a band... And then you try to become an actor, you're mocked for that. But you probably were doing both all along. Well, sure. Sure. Yeah. And if you're an insurance salesman and you're in a band, everybody says, oh, great. <laughs> or, you know, right. in a band and decide to sell insurance, well, that would just be an odd decision. Probably be a way to feed yourself. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. More common. So as you don't starve to death. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Springfield. Rick, how are you? I'm awake. Uh, excellent. <laughs> step one. That's step one, yes. You're ironically named Memoir Late Late at Night is out, <laughs> and I know you're... Uh... I was up late, late at night last night, so... Yeah. What were you up to? Um, we did a book signing and then uh, had a couple of drinks in the bar. Attaboy. A couple? Um, like, when I say I've had a couple of drinks, I generally mean I got hammered. Is that what you mean? No, no, I don't get hammered anymore. I can't... Uh, I, 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 occasionally, you know, like on Thanksgiving and, well... I didn't really get hammered, actually, on Thanksgiving either. But but you're not ruling it out. No. <laughs> How old is Rick Springfield? Uh, 61. Are you really? Mm-hmm. Son of a gun. Wow, because I saw you a couple of years ago, and you were wearing a vest with no shirt at the end of the show, and I, I didn't look like that when I was 21. <laughs> so. so yeah, well, I, if it was playing, playing music keeps you, keeps you young, I think. It is more physical than people realize. Yeah, yeah. Well, our live show is very... Uh, it's a very physical show and uh, real high energy. I have a really muscular band, and uh, we have a blast, and, and, and it's a great workout. So listen, uh, we talk about all sorts of stuff on this show, from music to, to weighty matters of national security. And and I wouldn't lie, because I have no reason to. I've been flipping through late, late at night, and it really is quite a fun read. Uh, you've lived a hell of an interesting life. But the the aspect of it that's most interesting to me, and i got to tell a very short story. It was back in the 80s, and, um, and one of your songs came on that – of course, as a hard rock guy, I had to pretend I wasn't into, even though I was. Um, and, and a guy said, to, I said something about, you know, pretty boy, pop me, blah, blah, blah. And the guy says, oh, I referenced the actor thing. And a guy says to me, no, 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 no. He's, he's been a musician since he was a kid. He, right. He's been writing songs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not his fault he's so good looking they put him on a soap <laughs> opera. And, oh, I but, love that guy. But so the whole fame thing. How quickly can that get way out of your control? Um, it, it, I've I've had to deal with the, the 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 you know when when I first came over here in Australia in 1971, I was put into teen magazines. Although I didn't really know what a teen magazine was, I thought it was just music press. And that you know I had to deal with that all through the 70s. And then when the soap opera hit, I kind of had to deal with it again. It was I've always uh, kind of found myself in a situation where I had to defend the fact that I was an actual musician, you know, and I've been playing guitar since I was 12 years old and write my own music. So it was, I don't know, one of those serendipitous things. I actually thought General Hospital would, uh, wouldn't would be seen by very many people. You know, I had <laughs> I had, I had Working Class Dog already written, and uh, was they were you know, looking for a place to release it, and then I got General Hospital, and I said, oh, a bunch of blue-haired, 
old ladies uh, well, aren't aren't the music audience, so you know no one will ever know I'm on their soap. It'll make some money, and and then you know that year it blew up, and you know Luke and Lauren became the the, the big summer show, and it's the only television show in the history of the world that they arranged college classes around it because they know they knew you know college students would not show up at their classes while the show was on. So it was. It was a gigantic show, and, and uh, so I had to deal with the whole, you know, there's a certain cheesy element to soap operas, and I, uh, I, had, to, I had to deal with that, you know, with the, the music thing. A lot, a lot of stations, actually, when they first pl- started playing Jesse's Girl, um, pulled it once they heard I was a soap opera actor. <laughs> well, that's a weird... Because they thought it was, you know... Fakery. They didn't think. Uh, they didn't know I wrote it and played on it and everything. So. We're talking to Rick Springfield. Yes, that Rick Springfield. <laughs> and we've talked to a variety of people over the years that have had uh, tremendous pop culture fame, and and some of them have talked about, um, like co- buying into it themselves and how, mm-hmm. you know, uh, twisted uh, twisted it can be with your whole psyche. Did you ever ha- deal with that? Or oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know anybody who's had success in the music business that that hasn't experienced that. You know, I just. There's no way. I mean, I I I think I'm pretty grounded, and I ha- always have been, you know, for my family and everything. And and uh, you know, I had a, the whole book actually is about my battle. Well, not the whole book, but a lot of it is about my battle with depression and how I I you know I thought fame would 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 heal that. So I've always been kind of grounded in my own way, but it does throw you for loop. You know, suddenly. Uh, you know, I, I mean, the, the, my book opens with me hanging myself at 17 because I thought I was ugly and and failing in, in the world. And, uh, you know, when I suddenly, when fame hits, you know, everybody wants a piece of you. You and tried it, to hang yourself? Yeah. Were you successful? Uh, yes and no. It's a dark joke. <laughs> uh, that That's a hell of an interesting thing. Yeah. I, because I was, you thought you were ugly. Now, obviously, people are going to say, how in the hell does who a couple of years later is going to be one of the world's biggest sex symbols, think he's ugly. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's all internal. I mean, it's, it's uh, I had terrible, uh, puberty doesn't treat anyone well, and it certainly was, was brutal to me. And, and I was, uh, I discovered music and I was failing in school, which was the only, you know, world arena I was in at the time. I felt really uncomfortable in my own skin. I wasn't wasn't very popular. I didn't have any any friends. Uh, my dad had you know moved every moved us every two years because he was in the army. So I had no real roots, and I was it. Uh, it and I think it was probably something chemical in there too. And I just uh, had it one day and, and uh, went out the garden shed with a with a noose and threw it over the beam and stood on a box and kicked the box away and I hung there for about twenty seconds and then the rope. Came unraveled where I tied it to a beam. Holy crap! So uh, you know, it was I was committed. So uh, you know, and I was I was unsure about whether to put that in the book. But after you know, uh, my my sons have uh, had a friend who committed suicide early, and and with all the modern you know press on it all, if, if just one kid hears that I was there and and went on to have a, a a great life, you know, and I have had a great life, and I have a beautiful family. And well, I think it's great that you put that in the book. I mean, for, for, you know, to, to for any kid that's ever felt that way, and, and a lot of kids do feel that yeah. way at that age, yeah. as you said, to know that, you know, they're not going to all end up Rick Springfield, but you come out on the other you, side. You do come out on the other side, and, and, and that's what I say in the book. I say, you know, just give it a week, give it a month, give it a year, because things will change. They won't always stay that dark. And uh, so I'm really glad I actually put it in there. And it was really the, the start of uh, kind of kick, 
kicked in the, in the overdrive, the uh, the depression has kind of dogged me all my life. So then you had the biggest fame you could ever possibly have, really. Then when you're on the other side of that, you know, you've been as successful as you could be. It can't last forever. It doesn't for anybody. When you're on the other <clears> side <throat> of that, how did, how did it look? Well, I actually, uh, things were going great in, uh, in 1985. It was still flying high, and I, uh, I pulled the plug on it and, and went into therapy for about four years because, you know, I... I it had been my driver as well because I thought, you know, depression had driven me also because I thought if I just get successful with what I love, then everything will, will be healed and it'll all go away. And, it, it, you know, it, it did for a while when everyone was, you know, telling me how great I was and I was starting to buy into it. It, it certainly does push, push the dark clouds away. But, it, you know, a couple of years in, it come, came back and... Uh, and I remember doing an interview for MTV, and I was, like, sitting on the tour bus, and I was just, you know, playing with my sleeve and my head down, and I saw it later. I said, wow, that looks like a very screwed-up guy. <laughs> so I, I took, you know, I pulled the plug, and I, my, the birth of my first son, I pulled the plug and, and went into therapy and, and disappeared and became a house husband and a recluse and... Uh, and and dealt with, started to deal with it for real, you know, knowing that nothing outside would would heal it. That it was an internal thing. Rick Springfield is on the line. The memoir is late, late at night. You know that that that's beautiful, heavy, interesting, revealing stuff. And and I hate to do this, but in the limited time we have left, I've got to ask, how much tail were you getting, Rick? Uh, quite a bit, and that healed a lot. Let me tell you, <laughs> didn't hurt. For, no, for a young guy who uh, you know. Uh, thought girls weren't interested, you know, to suddenly uh, have all the, you know, a lot of those girls interested was, 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 was may I say, very healing. Mm. It, do the, any of them still write you and might you forward their information to <laughs> aging radio guys? <laughs> hey, not me, but I know some hotties on radio. Guy, yeah. <laughs> he looks like me, but he's not me. <laughs> the memoir is late, late at night, uh, just released, debuted on the New York Times uh, bestseller li- list. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good luck, Rick. Thank good you. to talk to you. Thanks. You know, it's interesting how many stars I've ever heard tell the story of, um, you know, they disappeared from the public eye, and so what you always hear is, you know, their career tanked or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you hear a variety of them say, I shut it down myself. Right. Which is interesting. It was just too a- weird and sick. Everybody that disappears didn't disappear because they were still trying and thing. you know, they weren't the flavor or whatever. Right. Sometimes you just decide, I don't want to do this anymore. Especially right. if you got a lot of money, which, since he wrote these songs, I imagine he does. Well, and I think you just actually revealed more understanding of the whole fame thing than a lot of people had, because you just said, he's no longer the flavor. I think a lot of people think he's no longer good. He's no longer worth anything. He's now a joke or stupid. It's just a question of what's fashionable and what's hot. Right. So, yeah, God, you pin your psyche to your fame and you're doomed. Doomed! Well, I will come back, I'm sure, with uh, flattering and unflattering texts regarding our interview with Rick Spring. Ah, whatever. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. But this was back in 2010, and we had just, as a show, started making our shift towards reading texts from the audience. And, of course, people didn't disappoint. You know, you can never please everybody. Some people loved the interview. Some people hated the interview. Jack comes back and reads the text, and, of course, it's quite entertaining. Okay, a little closure on the Rick Springfield interview. I thought it was most excellent. This is, uh... 
Well, there are many variations of uh, from the text line. Many variations of <laughs> that made go. me want to hang myself. <laughs> oh, now yeah. I feel suicidal. Oh no, no, no! You cynics! You <laughs> sniping cynics! <laughs> many variations of that. Um, but then, but then, quite a few great interviews with Rick Springfield. I already liked him. Thought it was interesting. The stuff about him wanting to kill himself because he thought he was ugly and blah 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 was all. Yeah, funny. come on now. Human interest. Um, yeah, I thought there was. I also liked ask him what was his um, motivation for the line wrapped up like a douche in the middle of the night. <laughs> I like that on several levels. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's strong. That is that's funny. that is a multi-layered joke. Thought his first name was Buffalo. <laughs> um, Hilarious. His uh, real name is actually Springthorpe. Great interview. The last question was an inevitable necessity. I would agree. You got to ask Rick Springfield that, right? Oh yeah. And judging from flipping through the book, he, he answered accurately. A lot of tale. Um, saw Rick Springfield's State Fair. He was engaging. Which is funny. not tawdry, by the way. The great Marvin Gaye uh, called it sexual healing, right? Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's good for good for a man, huh? I've never we've we've never gotten the answer I I'm wanting out of stars who have been been really, really famous and are on the backside of their career. Because I think none of them either want to or can admit that they're on the backside of their career. Maybe that's just part of the human psyche. I've been on the backside of my career for about 14 years now. I'm well aware of it. No more groupies. No more free car washes. I'm always looking for these people to say... I was really huge, and then and then I had to, you know, come to terms with life and realize what life really means and what's important to me and right. how that was all phony and and most people and I think it's because they all think they're going to be back there again hmm. if aren't still there. I don't know. That's just a question I always wonder. Maybe, I'm trying maybe to think if I uh, think about conversations we've had. Where- maybe when you're them, whether you're an actor, singer, author, whatever, football player, whatever it is. Maybe when you're them, it's difficult to look at your life in the that part was way more I was way more successful. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you define these things, but Right. Than I am or ever will be again. Right. Right. Maybe you just can't look at it that way. Eh, maybe I don't know. Maybe the performer never gets over that kind of measuring themselves by their success uh you know, the way they 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 view themselves, mm-hmm. which is unhealthy obviously. Or maybe not. Maybe you just need that to continue to Keep thinking you're doing you're doing good stuff today. I'm still doing really good work. Well, that which is entirely possible. Yeah, I'm not that big a fan of his music. No, I don't mean Rick so, Springfield particularly. I just mean anybody. In I general. wouldn't be able to judge whether it's as good or better. Or worse. <laughs> wouldn't know how to measure that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I would hope you'd have the the you know psychological health to be able to say. Well, it was crazy popular for a while. These things come in and out. I was in for a while. I made a trillion bucks. Cool. I would hope I would feel that way. You know? Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting, though, as a 17-year-old. Yeah. I mean, he's almost a grown man at that point. He thought he was so ugly, had no friends, that he tried to hang himself, and it sounds like only bad knotsmanship kept him alive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And within a couple of years, you're among the biggest sex symbols on the planet. Right. Wow. That's I, I don't see how that wouldn't spin your head around in crazy directions. Yeah. yeah. Well, he seems to have emerged sane and still handsome as hell. By, by the way, somebody on the text line said they did um, 
at their college, they did change class for Luke and Laura's wedding. I guess he was Luke on that. I no. Oh, no, no. Anthony Geary, please. I never watched soap operas, so I, I don't know I was an All My Children guy, so I will, I will tolerate this discussion. I've never watched those soap operas. I've watched your nighttime soap operas. Actually, I think I was a little uh, too young for that particular summer of Luke and Laura. I remember like seeing it on Time Magazine and what thinking, what's the matter with people? What is that? That's a... General Hospital. A couple that got married and it was a big deal? Oh, on again, off again. You know how it is. It's a tempestuous love affair. And then they drag their increasingly aging carcasses back <laughs> every couple of years to beef up ratings for a, you know, a couple of weeks. I remember the 80s soap operas. All My Children, One Life to Live, General Hospital. My mom watched them all. She was a stay-at-home mom, and I saw a lot of those soap operas as a kid whenever I was you know, homesick from school or... It was during the summer months. So I kind of have vague memories of the Luke and Laura wedding on General Hospital. It's really quite quite tawdry. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that being a big craze and me thinking, what is the matter with humanity? And then you got into a soap opera in college? Uh, all my children, yeah. yeah. And were you into it? Into well, it? no. What was the one that was on after that, too? Because I watched that, too, fairly regularly. Well, yeah, partly because chicks were into it. So you'd get together in a group of people and that's hang out, watch, and make fun of people that's and That's the motivation to get into it. But yeah. were you at some point into it enough that nobody around, you're going to want to know what happened today? Uh, uh, what? That I would... Huh? If your initial motivation, oh. and I understand it, yes. was, and, and even ongoing, was yeah. the, the chicks are into it. Well, yeah. Did yeah. you get to the point that you were so into it that even if nobody was around, you're going to want to know? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, all my children, and uh, was it One Life to Live? can't remember that's you know, funny that's an i always thought that was an odd title you've got one life to live and you're gonna spend it watching that <laughs> wow evidently it's for people who don't appreciate <laughs> irony <laughs> that's the ticket to get in the door uh yeah 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 that was uh yeah and i used to i can't remember if i taped i do remember at one point as i was signing up for classes there at the big u i realized oh my god this class is only offered at one o'clock I've got to leave before the end of all my kids, and I'm going to totally miss One Life to Live. Totally. Damn it! You know, I don't know why, but I just can't picture Joe Getty watching soap operas. I'm thinking he was a rock and roll guy, and I can't see him sitting there watching these romantic stories. It just seems strange to me, that's all. It's just not the Joe Getty I know. Don't remember how I dealt with that particular dilemma. <laughs> wow, it's a tough one. Yeah. Remember, people, one life to live. It's all you've got. You get it? No, they, they, not them, you. <laughs> you. Never mind. Yeah, okay. Well, that's about enough of that. I know, we made you want to hang yourself. Stop sending those texts. We've gotten like 50 of them. Now I want to commit suicide. I tell you what, though. You're there in class, and you hear some girl mention something about all my children. And you say, oh, can you believe Jeremy? Oh, yeah. uh, d- d- Ding! Sure, You're of course. in, baby. Absolutely. In. Woo! And, and you have a copy of uh, Working Class Dog? Sure. What else do you need? Walking around campus, maybe with the album cover under your arm. <laughs> what is this? The olden days? Yes. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So there you have it. It was 2010, and Joe and Jack interviewed Rick Springfield. I thought the topic was good about how fame can change you and also how some stars can't deal with getting on the backside of their careers when they're not so popular anymore. A lot of times that's what leads to depression and drug use and alcohol use is because they can't handle the fact that they're not a big celebrity anymore. That's why you don't tie yourself to fame. Just be yourself, 
be humble, be a good person. Well, thanks for joining me for another Armstrong and Getty classic segment. Well, I guess that's it. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.